Before we get into this week's interview, I'd like to announce that I've got a new exhibition, Consequence, opening on 15th of April at Metro Gallery here in Melbourne. Uh, the show runs till May 1st. I spent over a year putting this body of work together and uh, I'm really happy with the results. Uh, there's a lot of new directions in there for me and um, a lot of it's come from the studies I've been doing over uh, COVID. If you're not Melbourne-based and you'd like to view the work, keep an eye on my Instagram, at Tom underscore Gerard or view the work on the Metro Gallery website. Without further ado, here's my interview with Matt Gondek. Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. This week, I'm catching up with American artist Matt Gondek. Uh, you can see his work at Gondek Draws on Instagram. And um, yeah, here he is. How you going, Matt? Hi. Good, good. How are you? It's always weird to hear American artist. Yeah. Why? What do you <laughs> consider yourself? Well, I live in America, so no one over here says the word America. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, our last president, people screamed it. Some of them did. But I don't know. It's just weird to hear the word American artist. Yeah. Well, in this age, we it's, it's global. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No, no problem. It's been, uh, been great um, you know, to catch up because I've uh, been following your art and uh, also your podcast, Clean Break, for a long time. So uh, I, I sort of feel like I already know you even though I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So um, we'll start at the beginning. Um, where are you from and how did you get into art? So uh, I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. So everyone knows New York City, right? Like New York. Uh, it's the state right below that. It's called Pennsylvania. And then I'm from a city called Pittsburgh. And uh, everyone knows I draw cartoon characters. And it's what I've been doing since I was three years old. Like, I've just been doing what I've been doing since I was a baby. I, I didn't realize, I, where I grew up is a very small city, so I didn't realize you could make an art career out of it. So I, I, went to, I went to like a technical school for web design when I was like 17, and I hated web design. So I just got a job at car insurance, and I, worked, I, I played in a couple punk bands. And from the punk bands, I started doing a lot of freelance, like uh, music industry stuff, like, like band t-shirts that grew into like actual bands, like sign on labels. And the shirts that we're making were sort of being malls and like on a bunch of like different websites for sale. And what was nice about the car insurance job was like, I would just had a headset on talking all day. So my hands were free. So I would like basically draw all my freelance projects at my car insurance job, did that for years. And then I, I turned, I quit my job and then did that freelance illustration for a few years, opened a store on my 30th birthday that sold clothes. Absolutely hated that. Didn't like doing freelance illustration anymore. So out of desperation, not knowing what to do, uh, I'm around 31 years old. I was just riding my bike around Pittsburgh and I started just painting like just to do something. And I found out that I really enjoyed painting because up until that point, everything I was making was like digital, like digital on the computer. So I just really enjoyed the tangible aspect of creating something out of paint. And uh, for whatever reason, my paintings like caught hold really quickly. Like, even though at that point I was doing like art, you know, posting my art on Instagram for like eight years at that point, people really didn't give a shit. But when I started doing what I call the deconstructed pop art, which is what I'm known for now, uh, it, people got interested really quickly. So it was, it was a combination of that and just the love of me, like finding joy in making tangible items. And that's how I'm here now. Cool. 
So when you said you were painting around Pittsburgh, was that like, um, like studio work or were you painting on the streets or how were you doing <laughs> it? <laughs> I, but both of those words were much more loosely. When I say studio, I mean my basement. Mm-hmm. And when I say painting on the streets, my first mural was on my garage. I, I was, I just, I was like a exploding Homer Simpson head and I, I didn't have any walls because I didn't know how to get walls at the time. So I literally just painted on my garage. Just, it was, I mean, you hopefully like, okay, I'm like six feet tall. Right. And the mural I did was probably six feet tall by, by half. So like three by six feet. And it took me three days to paint that, which anyone who paints outside knows that since that's stupid. Cause now, you know, once you learn how to do it, you can paint a huge wall in like three days. So, uh, that's how I kind of got started. I would do the freelance digital illustration like during the day and then either super early in the morning or super late at night, I'd go down in the basement and work on these paintings, not having any clue how to mix colors or like any kind of anything. I didn't know how to paint at all. And I kind of just taught myself everything. Hmm. It's interesting thinking back to those like um, early beginnings. Like I remember there was a point uh, in my life where I was, I knew I wanted to go down more of a fine art path, but I didn't even know what my art looked like. And I, I speak to my wife about it and say, I'd remember me sitting there going with, I had watercolor pads and watercolors because I was um, traveling a lot at the time. I remember just going, I don't even know what to, what to paint. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. It's yeah. So, yeah. It's so weird to think, um, you know, after all these years later and doing so many paintings, it's hard. It's uh I know I really like thinking back to those early beginnings because it puts things into perspective. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I live in Los Angeles now and just from going from how I started to, to here is just, it's crazy to think about that kind of stuff. I fortunately always knew what I was painting. Like I've never had a period in my, even like before the stuff I do now, like even when I was a kid, like I always just kind of did what I did and like what I do now. So there was never like a, didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do period, you know? Mm. For, so that was, I was kind of lucky in that aspect. Yeah. So what, uh, what inspired the move to LA? I, well, I, I was married at the time, by the way, you're gonna hear a lot of background noise. I'm in downtown Los Angeles. So lots of city, lots of sirens, lots of people screaming. Uh, anyway, so, uh, like, um, I was married at the time. Uh, I had just gotten married and my wife and I felt kind of stagnant in Pittsburgh. It's a, it's a very small city. A lot of our friends were married as well, but starting to have kids and we didn't want kids and we just wanted to change. And uh, because I worked for myself doing the freelance stuff, I could have went anywhere, but it's really dependent on where she could find a job. And uh, it came down to either Los Angeles or Seattle, Washington. Uh, she works in aerospace. So just by chance, we landed in LA. So I moved, we moved here maybe seven years ago and we separately got divorced like a year and a half ago. So that's how I got here. Mm. And um, do you like from the outside looking in? It's like the art world is really happening in LA. Do you feel that yeah. being an artist living there? Oh my god, absolutely! Yeah, I, my my career really changed within the span of the first year of LA, and I talk about this a lot of my podcast too. Like, no knock to any small city or anything, and everybody's different. But when I lived in a very small city, there was no big art galleries showing world class artists generally speaking, you know, like there was no, no big time muralist coming to Pittsburgh to paint murals. So day to day, I wasn't seeing the kind, the, 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 the artists I looked up to, I wasn't having that thrown in my face every day, or I wasn't getting to experience it or see it ever. So it was never, even though I knew it existed out there, it wasn't really my frame of mind. So all of my conversations and my thought processes 
were from a small city and the other artists in that small city. And I remember when I lived in the small city, my, my biggest dream was to just survive off making art, like make enough money to just not go to work. That was the fucking ceiling. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I started meeting the, the, the art heroes I've always had. And the people that live here, I started having the conversations. They're like, okay, well, how can I get my works to, to be seen more? How can I get in a, a good gallery? How can I get that big wall? Like, how can I get more money? You know, and these were conversations I was not having in this small city. I had to move somewhere bigger to be just in this environment of like potential, you know, and again, not knocking any, any place, but it, I, I think it helped me so much. And also the idea of just moving away from where you're from. I think a lot of people get stagnant because you grow up with a certain group of people and like you're, you're dedicated to those people. And, you know, a lot of them maybe not, won't have the, they'll, they'll, set off, they'll set off on a dream when they're young, but then it falls to the wayside because work and kids and everything. And I saw that happening to me too. And once I moved to a new city, I didn't have any, any new, I didn't have any friends here. So I had to start over and I had a lot more time to work on myself and I didn't have the distractions of the drinking buddies more or less, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I can really say a lot of my success is attributed to moving period. Mm. Yeah. I found that as well. I've moved overseas uh, three times now. And um, that'd be great moving to another country. Yeah. And, uh, and every time I've sort of, on, on the lead up to moving, I've been really nervous going, Oh, what's waiting on the other side. But you, you know, the, if worse comes to worse, you just turn around and go home. That's, <laughs> totally. that's my you always theory. Go home, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. But, but um, you know, when they, you know, that saying like you can, you can't join, you can join the dots looking backwards, but you can't looking forwards. Yeah. And when I look backwards and join the dots, like those moves uh, have been the pivotal moments in my life. And, oh yeah, absolutely. And the biggest, and one of the biggest ones was coming back to Melbourne to pursue oh, my yeah. art career, which was funny. It's like return home to home comforts, and then actually really settle in and um and uh, build an art career. But now I'm keen to move again. <laughs> you are. Where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. The world's sort of cut off at the moment. <laughs> it I, I, really I feel, is, I feel I'm in probably the best place in the world. To you be are. At. You're 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 yeah. like the quarantine country. You're you're yeah. you're very lucky to be there. We're but starting I'm, to open up again like literally here in california i'm sure you know the the cowboys of america like we're not listening to any rules no one's wearing a fucking mask can i swear i'm sorry yeah yeah go for it okay but uh we're we're just now starting to slowly open back up so like uh restaurants are just you can eat outside again here and we're slowly getting back to some sort of normalcy yeah yeah but i um yeah i, I do i do uh i am dreaming of moving again but i've been thinking about because for me, I like I travel every year to work on my um, career. I try to have an international solo show every year, and mm-hmm. um, and with you know uh, COVID, it sort of really put a halt on all that. But it's um it's made me sort of stop and start looking around my surroundings and going, all right, so let's try to build something for when all this, you know, instead of just uh, being on the treadmill and just doing doing doing, it's like stop. All right, let's build something so when everything opens up, I can come out a lot stronger. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, I think a lot of people did that last year. Like I, you know, because of my podcast, I speak to a lot of artists and I remember it was about a year ago when everything got locked down in America and a lot of my peers and myself included were so afraid, like, because my, I'm the same as you, man, like every year 
go have an international show because it's just good for you. It's good for your, your soul to travel too. But uh, we were also worried last year. And I think a lot of artists kind of pivoted and found new ways to, to, to survive, which I think is great. Like I personally, like I said in the beginning of this talk, I used to do digital illustration. I haven't done it in like 10 years. And last year I got back into it a little bit. I did, I did some commercial projects for the first time ever. And lo and behold, this NFT thing blew up and all of a sudden I've been spending last year on the computer again. I'm like, oh shit, I can do this. No problem. So thank God, you know, like, not thank God. Like I had the time to kind of, you know, work on something new and develop a new skill. Mm, yeah. So getting back to um, move, your move to LA, like how'd you go about um, establishing yourself in a new city? Cause I know what it's like when you arrive, you don't know anyone. Um, like, but how, how did you go about, um, you know, building your career and, uh, and friendship group and everything like that? I got, yeah, I got super lucky because right when I moved here, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the, the company secret walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They do the art battles. They do them all over the world. And if someone isn't, someone isn't familiar, think of, you know, two artists on stage head to head, they have half, or I'm sorry, 90 minutes to create a piece of bar on a, using only black paint on a white wall but it's a very social party atmosphere. But right when I moved to Los Angeles, like within the first year, Secret Walls moved their headquarters to Los Angeles. And I immediately started going to every single event they threw. If, if it was at the warehouse they have, if it was at a store, I would go to every one. And you know, very quickly I started meeting other artists at my skill level or like entry level and started networking, you know, and developed relationships with the owners of Secret Walls and then started going I remember my second uh, Secret Walls battle ever. Uh, they flew us to Texas, and I was on a team with some of these these guys that like I basically not to sound like an idiot, but idolized. They were on my team, and just like holy shit, like I got to meet these guys, and you know now I'm like good friends with these people, and it's amazing. But I I got really lucky because of that. But I what's what's weird about Los Angeles is although it's very competitive, like a lot of people want to network, you know, there's, there's a million people here that want to get together and work on something or, you know, whatever. So it was easy to find a peer group very quickly. Uh, the one detriment about Los Angeles is that I've found that it's hard to have relationships that are not based off some sort of work. Like I don't have a lot of friends I can just go to, you know, have a bar and have a drink with and talk about a TV show, you know, the majority of my friends are artists, you know, and I think because everyone here is so like uh, career motivated, but I am too. So I don't know. That's my thoughts. Mm. Speaking about, um, you know, being motivated with the career, like, um, you know, with your podcast, Clean Break, you focus a lot about the business on the business side of art. Like, do you feel that through doing that podcast, you've really um, built your network and also learn a lot about, um, you know, work running your own business? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I probably 70% of the people I interview I've met previously to the podcast, but I do get the occasional, Hey, nice to meet you. Like, like today, like, I know this isn't mine. This is yours. But like, I've never met you before. This is awesome. You know, but, uh, it really stems from the fact that before I was a painter, I was a freelance digital illustrator in the music industry. And I got treated like absolute shit where working for 14 hours on a project and then the client just be like, actually forget it. We don't want it and not getting paid to waiting months to get paid to having my artwork just butchered and like slapped together, you know, and it's like every single thing that, that happened, I, I don't want to happen to young artists. So the, really the podcast is about 
letting young artists know like, yes, there is a period of time you're gonna have to go through to eat shit to get anything worthwhile out of a career. But also maybe there's some stuff I can tell you or my guests can tell you to kind of skirt around some of that so you don't make some dumb mistakes. But yeah, I think it absolutely helped, you know, just meeting other artists and stuff because when I was yeah, like a couple of years, I've been doing the podcast for a while and there's been, there's been times when I wanted to introduce myself to an artist, but it's, and I could use my podcast as a platform to do that. Like, Hey, X, Y, Z, I have a thing that would offer you a benefit to, to be on this podcast. And I would use that to, to meet them. So it definitely helps. Mm. And so just, um, you know, hypothetically speaking, like there's a lot of uh, emerging artists uh, listening to this podcast. I get contacted by um, artists saying that they're on the cusp of quitting their job to uh, to go full time with their art. Like, if you uh, if you had like one bit of advice that you'd give an emerging artist, uh, what would it be? Uh, yeah, so I think everyone that whole when do I quit is the biggest problem, right? And I, I mean, I'm not an expert in any of this stuff, but I can tell you what I did, and it worked for me was. I kept my full-time job until I physically absolutely could not sustain the freelance art at all anymore. Like I was doing the freelance art at my job all day, all of the lunch breaks before I went to work, after I got to work and it was like something had to give. Like also the other thing is you want to save up half a year's salary. So just for sake of bargain, if you make 30,000 a year, save up from your job, save 15. That way you have a little bit of a cushion to fall back on. But I think that so many people just, it's a fantasy. It's like to be an artist or be an athlete or a rock star. It's like this, it's a dream, right? And I, I, I think that people chase it too quickly. Like you have to think about, even if, even if you're hot right now and you start selling a couple paintings, you have to think about that you're still going to be alive hopefully in five years. And do you have, even though things are going good right this minute, do you have enough forethought and do you have a strong enough portfolio and know-how to keep this going that long? Five, 10, 15, 20, the rest of your life. So like for me, like I said, it was, I literally couldn't sustain two jobs anymore. I had to pick one and I picked the art. And even then the first five, six years were just touch and go, you know, trying to beg for work and like not making a lot of money. And it's hard, but that it's worth it, you know, because now looking, I've been doing this for 14 years and I have a lot of freedom and things are going well and I'm confident, you know, in my abilities and like none of this would have happened unless I did make that jump and it just takes a long time. Hmm. What do you think the, um, the big change that's happened between those like first five or six years where you're, uh, you know, just trying to make it work to actually making it work successfully. What do you think the, um, you know, the key uh, factor is in there? Uh, yeah. So, there's two of them for me personally. Like I just didn't want to work at a normal job. So I would have, I would have done anything to, to not work at that car insurance job. And I found that I could make money making band t-shirts. Right. I didn't love it. I, I actually, I hated it. I hated what I did. I hated not to be rude, but I hated most of my clients, but I, I didn't have to work at the car insurance job anymore. The first thing that changed for me was when I quit doing that, started painting and I finally the, the joy of creating was there for me. Like I always talk about, there's this electricity. I didn't have electricity when I started doing band t-shirts. I didn't have it when I quit my job, but when I started painting, there was this electricity in me to, I want to get better at this. I want everyone to see everything I make. I want to make a million paintings. Like there was just this, like this, this, this lightning inside me that just fucking go out of nowhere. 
and I, I'll never forget that period of my life. And like, it was the first time in my life. I was like 32 at the time. I'm like, Oh shit, this is who I am. Like I finally found it not to be cheesy. So that was it from like a spiritual human being aspect. The second time was uh, about four years ago. I had my very first international solo exhibition. It was in Hong Kong with my gallery. I still work with Avenue D arts. And I remember going up until that point, you know, I had art shows in a, in a few gallery, very, very few galleries in Los Angeles. I had one in Detroit. I still had shows at like skate shops and shoe, shoe stores and stuff like that. And when I went to Hong Kong, I, I just saw how the public treated my work and like how they regarded me as this artist. And it was the first time I made a lot of money. And it was the first time my paintings all sold and to, to people that never met me. And I was like, oh shit, this is actually working. And it was really a tipping point that that week long trip. When I got back from that trip, everything changed. Uh, people started respecting my work. I was now selling my work for enough money to have an assistant for to help me. I was comfortable with money. You know, I like the fear, the fear of failure was gone. So it was really those two things. Hmm. Yeah. I've, um, I feel like I've just crossed over that part um, in 2020. Like, with oh, yeah? The, uh, yeah, I've got off the treadmill a, of like, oh, that year. <laughs> of well, all the years to do that. Well, it was, I was very fortunate to be, um, you know, we got good, uh, um, you know, the government looks after us over here. Well, they did in Melbourne during COVID because they locked us all down. We weren't allowed to leave a five kilometer radius for months and months and oh, my gosh. no one could work. Um, you know, so I was just coming into the studio every day, but also they, uh, you know, they paid for everything. So I paused my mortgage. Um, I was getting uh, benefits from the government and I didn't have to generate, um, you know, this X amount of money to, to live each month off my yeah. art. So I just went, okay, now let's, um, let's, let's work out how to do this better. <laughs> and That's I spent amazing. a year, I spent a year doing that. And now I feel I'm on the other side of that. And I'm actually, instead of just showing up to the uh, studio every day and winging it, I'm actually running a business that has structure. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And also I've, I've, to... I've realized that I can just, um, whatever I don't know, I can just teach myself. Uh, but it's, oh, absolutely. You know, I had this story in my head that, um, you know, that I didn't, I didn't learn things and very well and da 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 da. You know, some crazy, stupid stories from school, uh, from school times, but it's, um, but I blew all those, uh, you know, limiting beliefs away and, uh, this move you know now i you know for instance i was painting i use acrylic paint a lot in my artwork mm. and i was listening to the previous episode and we touched on uh you know you know the longevity of acrylic versus oil and i didn't really know that so so i've got this list of if i don't know something i add it to the list and then on my lunch break i'll like um i'll look into it and so yeah yeah so i did all that yesterday and now I know that like, um, there's no problem with acrylic paint and it's not been around long enough to really be tested. And they say that it, um, on a scientific like molecular level, it actually holds up better than oil paint. It's like, okay, so I can use acrylic paint because I, you know, there's that uh, stigma attached because it's uh, a non-traditional yeah. medium. It's, um, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, shit, am I, am I, should I not be using this? Should I be using oil just to be taken more seriously? It's like, I don't want to paint with oil. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. That is a thing though, isn't it? About the whole getting taken more seriously if you use oil. That's a, that's, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. 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 But it's all become, now, uh, but that's, a, that's the old, old world thinking. That's like, that's, um, uh, you don't, that's you don't feel that way. I feel that way. 
I paint, all I do is paint acrylic. I mean, I did like two oil paints last year for fun, but even I only do acrylic and I, I see my friends that paint oil. I'm like, fuck, that's like real art. I still think that like, yeah. it just looks more artistic. I don't know what it is, it's, but it does. It does yeah. look more artsy. I should not be saying this, but it, I feel that way too. You don't have to pay this money back the government gave you. Just, they just froze your mortgages? Uh, no, no. It's good. They locked us down. They put us in Jesus. Uh, they put us in jail, more or less, you know, in our That's own true. homes and in our own city. But, um, yeah. you know, if, if you're not allowed to go to work, how are you meant to make any money? No, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. I know it's happening in the rest of the world. But, um, you know, I, once again, I was very grateful to be here in Melbourne. Yeah, no, totally. That's that. That's like a lucky break. That's really good. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you've uh, you've hired assistants. Um, yes. And we were talking about it before the, uh, the podcast. Um, how'd you go about uh, like working for yourself to then having um, you know, your first, your your first uh, you know, employ you know, person working for you, like because. I feel that I, I show up to the studio and it's really, um, you know, it's, I'm in my own world and I get to do my own thing. But as soon as there's someone else in there and I'm like delegating jobs to, it turns into, it's, it's just a different vibe. Like, did you find there was a big difference between um, hiring your first person to working on your no. own? No, I, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I used to have the store I said, and I had employees there too. I just, I think I work better when I'm around people. I like the, I like to kind of jump around, you know, like work on a painting while answering emails. We'll talk to my assistant. I don't know. I just, it was a very natural thing for me. I couldn't wait to have assistance. It's just my, my work is really flat and there's definitely things that like just filling in colors, like big, big blocks of color. And like, I'm really dumbing it down. Like, you know, but there's, there's plenty of things just day to day that I, I, I simply only have, I only have two hands and I'm only one person and I'm not like a super crazy busy. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm like a regular guy. So I need help. So no, I never, I never had any sort of weird thing. Like I just could not wait to get help. Mm. Yeah. Cause I know what you mean. It's like when you've like laying down all the base colors and stuff like that, it's, it's not, um, there's not a lot of creativity in it, but you know, sometimes you need a lot of coats, especially if you yeah, use no- like yellows and oranges and, things you yeah. know seven coats later it's it's like no absolutely and what what else what else i find interesting that i'm, I'm really finding joy in was when i first started having assistants i i didn't really know how to how to have them you know so it really wasn't being like just paint this yellow period you know and i as i'm getting older and i've been running this business for longer i'm learning how to actually treat this even more like a, a career and like one of my assistants, Aaron, has went from assistant. He's now the studio manager, so he oversees the other assistants. Which means, at the end, of, in the beginning of the morning, him and I come in before everyone else. I give him a rundown of the day, and then I'm like, "Aaron, you, here's your list. I don't care if you do it. I don't care if they do it." And he knows, and he can delegate. You know, and there's just a thousand little things that happen every day in the studio. Like, the water didn't show up today in the, in the fucking water cooler. Call them, and where is it? You know, I just. I couldn't do it myself. And I, I like, I like treating this like a business. I always have since day one. And I don't know, it's, it's part of, it's part of it for me now at this point, not only the artwork, but like just the whole Gondek studio. And it's just really interesting. Mm. So do you like with, so I've been thinking about it. I've been think, think, making a list in my head on all the things I'd like to hire assistants to do. And I found that a lot of them, are, um, everything other than the painting, 
Absolutely. So do you, so with, uh, you have, um, people do a lot of the computer work for you? Everything. Yeah. Like if we're shipping things out, I mean, there's just so many things like cleaning, I mm. uh, just upkeep, like we need supplies here who mm. I have people coming over and you go get them like everything. Like today had to go get paint, you know, like we ran out of paint, had to go get, a, I ran out of a certain color of spray paint I need for a stencil. Go get that. You know, just, yeah, it's, 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 it's the, when I, when I, like I said, when I first started having assistance, it was just helping with painting, but it's like really grown into a lot more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I found I, I need a, a very um, niche person, someone who can use like all the um, design packages and all that sort of stuff. Oh yeah. It's hard to find that painting and, and doesn't mind um, doing some uh, packing and shipping. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to find these people. I mean, I've had a lot of assistance and I've, I've gotten really lucky with Aaron. He's great. And I've also had some really bad assistance. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to find people. It's, I think it's like any job, you know, because again, going back to this whole romantic thing, like I mainly hire artists and they think they got, and I've, I've, this has happened many times when this young person comes in and they, they see my career and my travel and like, Oh hell yeah, we're just going to be in here partying all day. And like, no, this is a, this is a 10 to five job. You come in on time, you have these tasks, like we're here to work. Like, and it's hard, it's hard to find people that do that you know mm. and sometimes you find them though and it's great yeah so if there's anyone out there that matches matches <laughs> that description hit me up <laughs> yeah, there you go yeah exactly yeah um so you mentioned earlier that you've been uh you've been doing some um nft releases with nifty gateway um yes so how, how'd that all come about and how's that going for you uh well so <laughs> Uh, last, last summer, this is, we're recording this, what, mid-March, 2021, uh, last summer, 2020, I got an email randomly. And I mean, I think all artists get random emails from everybody. Hey, Matt, computer, digital. And I'm just like another email. I'm like, I don't get this. And I kind of just put it aside and I brought it up in passing to my manager, Andy. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's at least see what they have to say. So Andy gets a hold of them and he gets back to me and says, Hey, they're, you know, they, they release NFTs. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And digital art. I'm like, so wait a minute. So people were buying JPEGs of art. He's like, yeah. I'm like, why? I get it. I'm, I'm the first to tell everybody. So I learned a little bit about it and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I kind of get it. You know, you're tokenizing this work. Like only one person can have ownership of it. And it kind of makes sense, but I still don't know why people would pay for it, but they, they have a market. Okay, sure. So we did, we, I have this toy, then whenever you make a vinyl toy, you have to have a 3D file, right? So we took that 3D file and added some different textures to it and made an animation of it spinning. Basically, so you have like a digital uh, animation of a statue more or less. And we did like a couple colorways and we released it on Nifty Gateway last November. And me, right before the release, still not understanding it at all, I had the owners of Nifty Gateway on my podcast to explain what NFTs were and you know they explained it and I, I started to understand it and the the release happened and everything sold out within five seconds and i'm like oh shit everyone bought these video files uh, okay and i'm like there's something here so then i started buying books about blockchain and like i started learning about cryptocurrencies and while i'm doing all this the world just started catching up to this and, and we all know the people story at this point and the growth from november until the beginning of february was an explosion right and when i did my release back in november either no one no one at least on instagram or my 
collector base really cared or understood it and whatever. And so back in November, I did the release and they're like, you want to do another one? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, uh, we'll do it like mid February. That's enough time for me to figure it out. Like, whoa. So <laughs> February rolls around, you know, and this, this whole environment's blowing up and I've been working already on some pieces for since the beginning of the year for this show. And I'm just watching this, this, this thing explode. And I'm like, fuck, I got this release coming up. I got this release coming up. And just watching all this crazy stuff happen. And then finally my day rolls around and I was so afraid because I'm, I'm the pieces I made were animated and I'm not an animator. So we did the best I could, you know, like, and I was like, is this the day when every day the website drops these new collections of artists and they're hitting so well and everyone's loving the work and it's going so great. Is my day going to be the day everyone's like, this guy is a fucking joke. So like stressed out, like binge, binge drinking, binge eating, like not taking care of myself. Day rolls around, the drop happens. It does super successful. All so I was very happy with that. Uh, then and then I had to go to the hospital from the stress. I really went to the hospital for it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an insane thing what's going on. It's at the heart of it. What's cool and tell me to shut up whenever you want because I know I'm talking a lot. But what's cool about it is kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of this. When I was a when I only did digital artwork, I just was treated like trash. Because I think a lot of people think that any artwork made digitally, they don't hold it in the same regard as fine art, right? It's just a guy on a computer just making a digital file. Who gives a fuck? Like give him 150 bucks. Who cares who made it? Go away. And I got treated so poorly all the time. The reason why I got, I got treated poorly so much that I switched to fine art because of this. And what's great about this NFT stuff is that for the first time, digital artists are being treated as, with the same respect as fine artists. And I think that's, that's fucking great. And that's the coolest thing about it to me. I, I think everyone's getting lost in the, the money. And I'm not going to lie to you. I made a ton of money for my release. I'm not going to sit here and fucking bullshit you. I did. But I think everyone's focused on the money. And that's, I mean, it is what it is. Like, it's the hot new thing. You have a lot of people jumping in just trying to flip work, make a quick buck. That's all Clubhouse is talking about. But it's, it's on the flip side, it's just great that like, there's this whole sect of artists who've been busting their ass forever. And they're finally starting to get respected. And the, I think that's pretty cool. Mm. and rant yeah so um do you think it's uh, it's here to stay yeah absolutely yeah i i think it you know it's blowing up right now and it's insane i think it'll uh kind of i don't know if mellow out's the right word but like I, I don't think it's gonna go anywhere it makes perfect sense to exist like it's it's really cool that you can make a painting then you can mint a version of that attach it to the painting and, you know, if, 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 if you buy my painting, you get the NFT. And if you sell it five years from now, I'll know who, who has it. And it's just a way for artists to know who has their work forever. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it going away ever. I, I hope it doesn't. It's great. So, you, so you're linking an NFT to an actual physical artwork as well? I haven't done that yet because I haven't had any fine art shows. I have one in April. Mm-hmm. But up until this point, I've just done digital pieces on Nifty Gateway. But yeah. A lot of artists are doing that, yes. Wow. Like, uh, I have a friend, Chase, who's an artist here in LA, and he brought up a really good point to me. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Australia's a little bit different in America, but in a lot of ways, probably not. But like, like you see the news and they post a, a quote-unquote propaganda video, right? And you're watching that video and you're like, well, where the fuck do they get this? Like, they make this up. But if, if, if videos could have, if videos could be minted, you would know where that source came from, who had, who made the video, you know, and 
oh, okay, it was shot by this person who is a trusted news person, you know, or whatever. And it, I, I think in those ways, it would be really good. Like pack giant shipments on, on boats. If, if the shipment information was minted, you would know where your package is all the time instead of just some fucking crate. Like I have a bunch of books coming right now from China. I have no idea where they are. I don't know if they're on a boat. I don't know if they're on a forklift somewhere. And I don't know where they are. It would be great if like those are minted and then somebody at some point had that information transferred to them. And I know, oh, John Smith at Pier 42 has my package. You know what I mean? That would be great. So I don't think they're going to go away. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's like I didn't know anything about it. And then... Um, is that a bird? Yeah, it is. Sorry, I got the window open. But... Um, oh, oh, my God, that's great. I love that. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, someone mentioned it to me one day. And then I, um, I jumped in the car that afternoon. And I was listening to your podcast where you had the guys from Nifty Gateway on. And it's like, wow. Yeah. And, now, and ever since that day, it's just been like, uh, yeah, I hear about it daily now. It's, That's um, all it's new thing. Yeah. And, yeah, everyone's talking about it. Yeah. And, and people who are non-artists have been, um, you know, like speaking to me about it. And I say, um, and they say, I just don't get it. It's like, don't worry, give it time. You'll get it. It's, <laughs> yeah, you'll absolutely get it. Yeah. Like, I, like one thing I think back to, which... Uh, is really funny. I joke with a friend about it all the time is back in, uh, well, when the matrix came out, it was the same time when the internet was just, um, you know, just starting. And Mm -hmm. it was all, it was always talk about the internet, but it was, but you know, there's a lot of people that weren't computer literate and now it was like, ah, the internet, I don't worry. It's just some computer stuff, you know? Absolutely. And, um, and I remember even saying to my friend who has had nothing to do with computers, I said, so what, what's the internet? He goes, the internet's all around you. I go, nah, man, that's the matrix. He goes, nah, man, it's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, you're absolutely uh, right, man. And, and it's like, yeah, you fast forward, you know, 20 years and, you know, it's just, it's just part of life now. And yeah, it's, it's totally. normal and it's accepted. And here I am speaking to you on the other side of the world. And we're, but we're yeah. sort of technically sitting face to face. But, uh, yeah. you know, and I think it's just one of those things. Give it time and it'll all unravel and it'll just be be part of life. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Matt, um, are you ready for some uh, rapid fire questions? I am. I found the answers. I wrote them down. I did find them. Yeah, I'm ready. Ah, cool. So um, name one artist who you think deserves more shine. Okay. There's this artist named Cooper. I, I think he used to live here in LA, but I think he's like in this Indiana, which is the middle of America. His Instagram is I dot Cooper. I, uh, when I met him, he was painting a bunch of flowers. And since then his work has grown into like, there's scenes of like these, these rooms full of plants and stuff. And I just, I just love his work. I'm about to buy a painting myself. And I actually, I don't want to give him shine cause I want to get a good deal on the painting. Then, then he can blow up. But I'm Cooper is my pick. All right. I'll hold off on this uh, release for a few <laughs> weeks. All right. Get in there. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> uh, what's one medium you'd love to work with? I would love to, to be able to 3d render things myself just the way things are going and my current interests. I would love if I knew how to make a full, amazing looking 3D render. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure you could learn that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's one skill you wish you had? I wish I could speak multiple languages. I can speak English and very, very little uh, Spanish and that's it. And I'm so jealous of people that can speak multiple languages. I, but, but on the same token, I've never tried or to do anything. So... It's like a pipe dream. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to learn a language. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Like I, I learned Spanish. It took me years. Every time oh I thought God. I had the hang of it, I realized I didn't until yeah. I actually lived in Spain. And even then I, I still felt that I didn't um, really get a grasp of it that well. Like that's how you got to do it though. Total immersion. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty weird though. I, I saw someone post something on um, Instagram the other day, all about being a foreigner with an accent and people think mm-hmm. that you're, um, people speak to you like you're a bit dumb or stupid mm-hmm. because you don't have a full grasp of the language. And um, I really sympathize for people uh, with strong accents now that, or who speak broken English now after being in that situation myself. It's, um, you know, like I found that I couldn't put my full personality uh, yeah. out there because I didn't have the vocabulary to really be myself. I had to be this sort yeah. of robotic version of myself and people just assume that you, that's just how you are, but it's, you just don't have the tools. Isn't that funny? That's like a stigma, isn't it? Where like you just think someone's dumb because they're not speaking well, but that, that's Man. true. I, I, yeah, that's weird. My chair yep. keeps falling down. You, you see me falling down on the Zoom here? That's all good. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're shorter. Yeah. Um, uh, who are some of your favorite, favorite artists? artists? Lichtenstein is my favorite artist ever. I, I just really like his work a lot. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the home of Andy Warhol, so I would have to say that by law. Uh, but I, I'm not, not, I mean, his work's fine, but I just really liked his, I guess, marketability and how weird he was. I, I just really think that's really cool. Is that Lichtenstein or Warhol? Uh, Warhol is the one that I, I said, uh, the, Lichtenstein loves work. I like everything about him. He's great. I loved how when he was alive and during interviews, they were basically just say the same rude shit to him that the people say to me, like, well, why are you using this, this, these pop culture? And like how he handled it was just very cool. I like everything about him. Uh, recently there's an artist called Camacho or Camaco. Actually it's Camaco. I, he's Mexican. Uh, he's in Mexico and he does 3d art, but it's very like bubbly and friendly. And I, I absolutely love it. So that's my three. Yeah. Uh, Lichtenstein is one of my favorite artists as well. And one of the things I really liked about, I saw his uh, retrospective at the Tate Modern years ago in London. And, um, and it was mind blowing to see it all in the flesh and to see how uh, much of a master of, um, of like, uh, you know, just like his like graphic design and uh, oh, the yeah. way like, his technical drawing was amazing. But also like I learned that he didn't get his start in his career till he was 40 years old. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't, uh, I didn't quit my job till I was 38. So I was sort of, like, oh, yeah, Lichtenstein made it work, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and he didn't have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, looking back where I'm at now to my younger self, I would give the advice to make more time for friends and to develop more personal relationships. Uh, I feel that I spent so much time focusing on my career that I look back now and I just, I feel like I miss a lot of opportunities just to have a closer group of friends. And I'm really the last year and a half after my divorce, I, I really realized that. And I'm now making changes in my own life to try to foster relationships and take more time for other people and also like for myself. So make more time for friends. Yeah. And um, do you keep regular work hours? Yeah, I do. Um, so studio time, Monday through Friday, 10 to five that's whenever the team's here. But I mean, I do a little bit in the morning before I come in, like answer emails. And normally I walk to work. So I live four or five blocks from my studio. And that's when I get on the phone with my manager and we fight about everything going on right now. Uh, but yeah, I keep regular hours. Mm. Sorry about the birds. Like 
I just said loud. I, I love it. I, no, I don't apologize. I don't even, I mean, I live in downtown and there's yeah. usually people screaming and car horns and yeah. I think the birds are very nice. Yeah. It's better than the um, siren. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have a dream project you'd like to work on? Uh, this isn't sound so shitty, but like, no, I, my dream project is what I'm already doing. My life is not to sound cliche. I, I love what I do. I love everything about it. My dream project is just do what I'm doing and keep it going as long as I can, hopefully for the rest of my life. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I find I, I get to the studio every day and I open the door and I'm like, Oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> you know, I love it. Like I love it, yeah. especially on a Monday morning after I've um, had the weekend off. Mm-hmm. I just open the door and I look around and it's like, here we go. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, what the weekends I, I get Nancy Sundays if I don't, but by then I haven't worked in a day and a half. And I'm just like, I start to get like, I need to go make something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where are you wanting to take your art career? Uh, so we talked about this a few times over the, the podcast here, but I'm, I've spent the last, you know, eight, nine, eight years or so really just perfecting acrylic painting. And like, if you look at my old work compared to now, you can see the improvement. I know it's there. I would love to break out of the confines of being known as an acrylic artist. Like if that means having a show where there's oil paintings as well, there's more sculpture. I'm really the digital stuff going back to the 3d rendering, like just kind of being a more well-rounded, more versed artist would be really cool to, if I could do that. And that's like my dream. Hmm. Yeah. I do like going to, um, exhibitions where you can see that artists have worked with lots of different materials yeah yeah Yeah. i I feel like i've i mean i'm really known for this deconstructed pop art and i really explored a lot of the stuff i can do with acrylic and just taking it into other mediums i think would be awesome yeah uh do you have any future plans or projects in the pipeline yeah there's a ton coming up this year um so april 26th my first solo exhibition of the year opens it's in chelsea new york it's called original character uh, I have a second NFT drop on Nifty Gateway in June, and I have a third later on in the year, which I can't tell you about. Uh, I may have a second exhibition at the end of the year, like actual physical paintings. I can't talk about that yet. A couple collabs coming up. There's my manager just knocking this year out of the park. He's killing it. So shout out Andy. Avenue D Arts is my fine art gallery. So they've been they were really cool. Find they found me a great space for the uh, solo exhibition in April in Chelsea, and we're working on something hopefully for the end of the year. So there's just a ton of stuff coming up. Yeah. Cool. Sound busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you, have you, um, does your manager find a lot of work for you or does he has managed everything? We, 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 we really kind of just both like he'll come up with ideas and like message people and figure things out. And then also bring him opportunities I get and he'll flesh them out and make them better. I, yeah. I mean, obviously once the NFT stuff kind of popped off and I had my release with Nifty, we're starting to get, so many emails every day from everything. He's kind of like picking through them and figuring out the best fits and stuff. And he does a good job. Mm. Man, I'm jealous of your team. I want a team. <laughs> well, I've been, yeah, it took me a long time to find these people. Like Andy actually used to work for Secret Walls. He, he's one of the co-founders and we just really hit it off really quickly because of, uh, I don't know, we're, we grew up kind of the same way. And then Dimitri, who owns Avenue D Arts, is great because, I don't know if it's because he's French or not, but he, he tells the truth. Like, when he found me, he didn't really sugarcoat. He's like, you know, you, you want to be a, a better artist, but like, I know you can do better. And he would point out flaws in my work and it really pushed me to become a stronger artist. And he gave me a lot of advice in the beginning. And he, you know, the whole good cop, bad cop thing, he's, he's the bad cop. Not that he's a bad guy, but sometimes you need the people to push. And he is really good at 
representing my work. Uh, Aaron here, my studio manager, I, he, there's a lot of, I see a lot of parallels in myself where I, you know, I, I came from a small town and I'm trying to make it here and he's a very hardworking guy and he has, he has my back and he's a really good artist, you know, and there's more people too. Elijah does my podcast. There's just a lot of people. So thanks. Yeah. I'm really stoked that I have all these people on my team, but like it took a long time to build this team because I definitely had some bad teammates in the past. <laughs> cool. Congratulations. And um, where's the best place for uh, people to find your work online? Uh, just Instagram, Gondek Draws. Uh, I mean, I'm on, I'm on, I have a website, mattgondek.com. Twitter is Matt Gondek. I just got a Discord. Uh, those places, the regular places you find artists. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. Well, it's, um, it's been great chatting to you. It's been uh, yeah, you great to find out more about your, uh, your art. And um, yeah, I'm used to hearing you interview other people. So it's <laughs> delve a bit deeper into you. Right on. Thanks. I, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No worries.